Up World. It's your fast first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Today's episode is the latest edition of Mailbag Monday. Yes, you're probably listening this, to this on a Wednesday, but that's how scheduling worked out this week. It's our weekly mailbag show answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved, there's two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. Just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. It helps if you tag it as mailbag or watch the skies. We're typically on Monday mornings. I send out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that tweet. I'll do my best to get you in the show. If you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, you can email me. LockedOnBlazersPod is the address. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com actually is the full address. That's how you really that's how you really send an email is you send it to the full address. Those are the two ways to do it. Like I said, we do this every week. Uh, typically, I record this on Mondays, hence Mailbag Monday and post it on Tuesdays. But we had interviews this week and I wasn't going to bump my guests for Mailbag um, because their lives are harder to coordinate than uh, than a Word document that I set up. So, uh, you know, if you were looking for this Tuesday, I apologize. But check out the interviews I did with Nate Duncan and Dan Devine. They were kind enough to join me and I thought their perspectives were interesting and uh you know breaking up the little one-man show for some for some back and forth dialogue with people who follow the league and know it well and have just different perspectives from me and maybe balance out some of my pessimism or add a little optimism i thought dan divine was pretty cheery about the uh, trailblazers and all things considered kind of balanced out your boys general negativity but we're not recapping interviews we're doing mailbags let's get into it the first question comes from tim who asks do we learn anything from the OKC beatdown? So I, I emailed Tim and I was like, Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to record this on Monday or whatever. It's going to be after the Clippers game. And no, we didn't learn anything from the Blazers beating the Oklahoma City Thunder by 48. Uh, but we'll know more after the Clippers game. And what what do we know? Um, you know, no, yo, maybe not much. Maybe we just were confirmed some of the things we already know. I like, uh, I, Tim's kind of playing off my preference to not do granular recaps and more to say like, did, did this game tell us more about this team? What information from this specific game or what performances from this game can we sort of extrapolate into the future or sort of learn about where the Blazers have come to this point? But I kind of think since since Tim's original email, since they're a little back and forth, we still really haven't learned much about the Blazers. Uh, the OKC game is, is a re- nice win because you beat a team by 48 points. There's there's just nothing wrong with that. There's I'm not here to criticize, but that team's not very good. Like OKC's bad. Um, so this wasn't sort of like this sort of like telling moment. It was just the Blazers really handling a bad team um, who's you know starting two 20 year olds. Uh, not not much you can learn from that. Uh, hard to be critical of it, but not much you can learn. And then against the Clippers on Tuesday night, uh, you know, Blazers play without Yusuf Nurkic. You missed the game with the right knee inflammation. Terry Stotts told reporters before the game that uh, it doesn't. It's not a long term thing. Nurkic's on the trip. Uh, he could no timeline whether he's going to play Thursday against the Jazz, but they don't see this as being like a long term thing. This is just kind of like his knees. His knee was swelling up so they decided to hold him out tonight but the Blazers just aren't they're they're not going to they're not going to be a good defensive team without Nurk on the court they might not be defensive good defensive team with Nurk on the court but like their their ceiling is very low without him um so 
of you want to see them go up against elite teams with their whole group, and then we can sort of make judgments. They haven't beat a team ahead of them in the Western Conference standings since December 28th when they beat the Los Angeles Lakers. And th- that did not change tonight against the Clippers where they lost by 17. They were down by 26, pulled all the way back within two, and then and then still, you know, wilted from the action, pulling within two, kind of wilted from there as the Clippers made shots and kind of turned up the defense. Dame never had it, but I don't, he just, Dame just had a had a bad night. Them. It's just a just an ugly Dame game. Two for 14 from the floor, one for six from three, finished with 11 points and six assists. Um, the Blazers aren't going to win games when Dame stinks, and they aren't going to win games. They aren't going to be a good defensive team without Nurk. So, like, if we're looking to learn stuff, no, we haven't. The Blazers still look like a bad defensive team. They're still a team that can't beat the elite teams. And hopefully on Thursday we get a full squad and get to see them play against the Jazz and see what kind of, I don't know, see what they're made of is the right phrase, but, like, they didn't look good, but they didn't look good in kind of like a predictable and almost like disappointingly similar way. And I'm just, I'm ready to see this group. I'm ready to see this group whole so we can start making real judgments. 23 games left in the regular season. Clock's ticking. Um, the judgments and the standings do not, like the judgments will not affect the standings. They'll drop in the standings regardless if I withhold judgment. But it's just like after this game, of course they lost. A good team missing their most important defensive player. I mean, just it it this this didn't look like a win. Um, and I, I don't like to answer your question straight up, Tim. No, we didn't learn anything. We were many of our many of our preconceived notions were confirmed, but we don't. We, I want to see this group whole. I want. I just I just want to see this group whole. Next question comes from Taylor, who asks. The Lakers, Nuggets, and Blazers are all jumbled up at 4, 5, and 6. Blazers dropped to 6 after their uh, loss tonight against the Clippers. Call me crazy, but I don't want that to change. I would rather face the Clippers than the Nuggets or the Lakers. If we could get by the Clippers, which is in itself a big if, it would only benefit us if the Lakers and Nuggets had to have a hard-fought series in the first round. My thoughts? Yeah, hard disagree on that one, Taylor. Um, I think the Blazers... The Nuggets are a buzzsaw right now. They're whooping teams. But uh, to me, it's all going to be about matchups in the playoffs. And the Blazers are not... Like, the Clippers are not a good matchup for the Blazers. Two big wings. I don't know how they guard Kawhi and Paul George. Paul George went off tonight, 37 points. Like, he was so, so, so good. And some of it was just hot shooting at the beginning. Some of it was the Blazers. You know, they tried to be more aggressive on defense defense in the second half and he just he either uh passed around the more aggressive defense or just moved around a slower and a scanter but um after a hot shooting start he maybe calmed down a little bit from deep but he still got whatever he wanted 36 points five rebounds on 11 of 18 shooting six of nine from three hit his first five shots and really never slowed down from there and if it's not Paul George it's Kawhi Leonard and I just don't like, I don't think the Blazers have the personnel to guard two big wings. Uh, Robert Covington, in, in theory, does that, but he's not an elite one-on-one defender. He's much better as a help side guy where you can put him on someone else and then let him let him kind of come over off as a help player and be disruptive. So I think the Clippers are a terrible matchup. Obviously, the Lakers, when they're healthy, are I think the, that's the best team in the NBA, so that's a terrible matchup too. And for me, the Nuggets... They lost Gary Harris. They they lost uh, Torrey Craig in the offseason. They trade away uh, Gary Harris at the trade deadline. They don't seem to have many defenders who can guard little guards. And while the Blazers might struggle against their combination of uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, uh, and obviously Jokic is just a handful regardless. Um, I, I think the Nuggets are the least equipped to guard the Blazers, and the Blazers are going to win games by being an elite offensive team. So yeah, I think the Nuggets of of the of that trio to me, the Nuggets are the obvious preferred matchup. 
Next question comes from Austin, who asks, Ennis Cantor has played an invaluable role for this team twice now when Nurkic goes out. First in the 2019 playoffs, and now this year keeping this team above 500 when injuries derailed expectations yet again. Given Nurkic's injury history, should signing Ennis to a longer contract be a high priority for this team this offseason? Kind of depends on what you mean by longer contracts. Like I wouldn't give I wouldn't give Ennis Cantor like a 40-year deal or whatever, but I would try to sign him back. I would certainly try to bring him back for one more season and figure out what what the deal is with Nurk. Nurk will be ending free agency uh, the following summer as well with one year remaining on his deal. Um, you know, maybe you give him maybe you give him two years to kind of sweeten the pot or a one plus one with like a player option so he can opt in but um you know cancer is Cantor is he's he's this is his physical prime he's 28 years old so um you know he's not you don't think he's going to drop off too 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 much but he he has real limitations and and depending on how much it costs for the blazers is spending money on backup center really the right move but here's what i will say Cantor has been awesome, and you're correct. He had 11 and 11 in the first half against the Clippers, kept the Blazers, who were down big early, and then pulled back to within uh, seven in, in, heading into halftime, thanks in large part to to uh, Norman Powell and CJ McCollum, but certainly Ennis Cantor, who was bawling in the first half. He had a quiet second half, only two and four in the second half, finished with 13 and 15. But Cantor has been undeniable. He's been a life raft for this team, undeniable. And that's why he's my Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. That's right, I'm giving out the hardware to Ennis Cantor. Uh, Michelob wants you to know that it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And Ennis Cantor has made me and hasn't made me enjoy the Cantor experience. He's a little corny in interviews. He's um he's like intentionally self uh, he doesn't want to talk about himself in this way that's like so intentional and obvious that it kind of um, kind of makes my skin crawl. But the dude gets after it and he leans into what he does. And doing what you do best brings me a great deal of joy. And Joy creates success. And Cantor, for, for all his faults, always seems to be having fun. He smiles big. He loves winning. A man loves tweeting his, his own highlights and then not talking about them uh, in, in post-game interviews. He, he, Cantor's loving it. I'm loving it too. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And like I said, Michelob Ultra, 2.6 carbs, only 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And I got to ask. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? With Ennis Cantor, he's happy because he won and he wins because he's happy. He's he's the full Michelob Ultra experience and that's why he's our Ultra Player of the Week this week. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. So follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you already get podcasts. All right, let's keep it rolling with more Mailbag Monday on this Wednesday when you're listening to it. It's certainly not on Monday when you're listening to this one, unless you're a little behind on the pod, and then it's a Mailbag Monday. Mailbag Monday is a state of mind, okay? That's that's really the takeaway here. This next question comes from Michael, who asks, With the addition of Norman Powell, the Blazers have two, uh, have a quality two-guard, Norm's natural position, who plays better defense than CJ McCollum. To maximize this defensive upgrade, and because I read that Norm's efficiency numbers are much better as a two, why wouldn't Stotts consider bringing in CJ off the bench as a super sixth man? When CJ has filled in for Dame at PG, when Dame's been out, he seems to put up assist numbers that rival Dame's. Yeah, he, close to it, for sure. Um, he Last year, he had a stretch when that was the case. And he becomes a much better as a player, in my opinion, because he 
he's more in control. I think CJ is more than capable of coming off the bench and taking over the offense in a way that doesn't maybe click with him as much when he's the default PG when Dame's not in. Yeah, but I think there's something to that. He's a microwave a la Vinny Johnson and seems like he wouldn't miss a beat coming off the bench. I think the more crunch timeless minutes that CJ has to operate as the team's PG, the better. I doubt Stotts would consider such a move, but I, it makes me... It makes sense to me. Manu Ginobili made the Spurs a much better basketball team by grudgingly. I don't think that's true. I think he he, he joked about it. He loved it. Um, maybe at first, but by the end of his career, Manu loved coming off the bench. It was like his whole thing. Accepting a role, and I think the same could happen with CJMI. Your thoughts. Um, so here's, let me give you some numbers, and then I'll give you my thoughts. With Damon CJ on the court this year, uh, this is prior to the Clipper game. I pulled these numbers this morning, or this afternoon. CJ McCollum and Dame on the court this year, uh, the Blazers have a net, a net rating of 7.25. So they're outscoring teams by 7.3 points per 100 possessions with the two of them on the court in 550 minutes together. When just one of them on the court, just Dame, they're being outscored by three points per 100 possessions. When it's just CJ, one and a half points per 100 possessions, mostly against bench units. That is to say, the Blazers just haven't been good with with either or. Um, in theory, normal up those minutes. Obviously, we just don't have a big enough sample size um, to suggest that that'll be the case in in very small sample sizes i won't go through through the net ratings jess norman one of those guys jess norman c jess norman and dame have been positive but they also won a game by 48 freaking points this weekend so we gotta wait we gotta wait on those numbers i'm not i'm not they don't mean anything just yet um i I think this theory makes sense uh, because I think there is something about putting CJ in only point guard mode that he sticks in point guard mode. But the problem is sort of like what you're adding. Um, are is is Derek Jones Jr. enough of an upgrade at three to make that trade off worth it? Is the bench unit with CJ and Carmelo Anthony and I guess Anthony Simons and um, and Ennis Cantor like is the defense is that defense so so bad such that it doesn't matter like there's there's real trade-offs here i think in theory it makes sense like cj is the super sub and you're not michael you're not the first person to sort of think about this think about this as cj's role and i think like you know cj's playing backup point guard when dame's not in the game anyways but you're right he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to fully point guard then but my thing is it's like Unless you're getting a player, and Norm's been really good, but unless you're getting a player that's like truly at CJ's level, the sort of splitting up the Damon CJ minutes it doesn't make sense because at least like completely splitting up. So they basically only play, you know, the final eight minutes of the game together. It just, um, you sacrifice too much. The Blazers, the difference, the gulf between CJ and Norm is too great right now. But we'll revisit this, Michael, because I think it's a pretty good idea. And you weren't alone talking about Norm and CJ. That seems to be the theme of this week. Each week has a theme. Um, it's been defense the last couple weeks. This week is Norm and CJ. Next question comes from Zach, who asks, this might be the most hated question on the podcast, but if we find out at the end of the season that Norm, CJ, Dame doesn't work together is it crazy to have at least a conversation that we re-sign norm and trade cj for a three or four and watch the team become more complete well michael same question asker from, from before asked a follow-up question said i was wondering about the possibility of an off-season trade for cj for tobias harris this trade works straight up with the blazers taking back five million extra salary i think this trade only happens one if cj performs i'm not going to read michael's thing here's his whole pitch basically like cj needs cj needs a 
or the Philly needs a creator like CJ and the Blazers could use a wing upgrade. So I'm, I'm with this idea. Like I, I think this theoretically is what the Blazers need, right? They need an elite three or four, but guess what? There just aren't that many wings at CJ's level anywhere. And, and for me, I'm not, a, I'm not a big Tobias Harris believer. I think he's pretty good, but I think the downgrade from what CJ brings you as your secondary creator to what Norman Tobias Harris, like I just don't see Dame Norman Powell Tobias Harris Nurk as any closer to a championship than Dame CJ Norm Nurk. Like I think the positions fit better and you might make more sense, but I'm not sure that you've gotten any closer to the championship. Um, I get this trade. I get the I get the logic for it. I get Zach's logic that trade for a better forward, right? There just aren't that many good wings in the league. So Michael comes in and said, here's a pretty good wing, Tobias Harris. Sure. He seems to be, to me, he seems to be sort of like a TJ, TJ. He seems to be a CJ equivalent. But I don't think, I just don't think that he pushes you that far forward. I think you take a step back on offense, and I don't know if you take enough of a step forward on defense to make it worth it. To me, this, this just under, what it really underscores is not that like this isn't the plan, because I think this is a, this is theoretically a great idea, particularly with Norman Toe, uh, because you have that shooting guard now, and you can really, really try to go for it with a forward. But CJ is, you know, he's not he's not like a really sexy trade piece because considering his age and how much money he's still owed. So finding a trade partner is tough. And then when you find these trade partners, it's other guys on bloated contracts who are also kind of like um, somewhere between a B minus and an A minus. And it's to me, it's just it's just not that enticing like that. That doesn't do it for me. I think it could be reasonable for you to think that that is the move. But um, you have I am. It ain't me. It ain't me. Next question comes from Nathan, who asks, I'm wondering what the chances are of the Blazers regretting the Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. trade long term. The season is over in two months. Trent Jr. is 22 and was only one of our two super young guys who looked like surefire long term starters, Derek Jones being the other. I do not think Derek Jones looks like a surefire starter in the NBA, Nathan. That's that's another question. <laughs> Let's bring that up. Let's bring that up in the future. That is not what I see from Derek Jones. So will the Blazers look back wishing they tried the Lillard McCollum Trent lineup more and gone with Gary? who is slightly more signable than Powell. It seems like it, it seems like they didn't try Lillard McCollum Trent and haphazardly guessed that Lillard McCollum Powell would work better. So yeah, I, so I saw someone mention that it's like Gary Trent Jr. is going to be the, uh, going to be the Jermaine O'Neal of this era. And I don't see him becoming that. I see Gary Trent Jr. more becoming the Will Barton of this era, which means that he goes to another team and he's like a long-term, like really solid starting NBA level forward who can create and score and defend a little bit. Like that's, that's what Will Barton has been pretty consistently for the Nuggets. Like he was really good last year for the Nuggets. He's kind of settling back in to being a really good part of that team again. And I kind of think that's what Trent Jr. is going to be. Um, I think there's a chance that Norm is, we're seeing the absolute best of what Norman Powell can be right now. Um, and I think he's better than Gary Trent Jr. right now. But I think the second part of your question is the more curious part. Like, as soon as Norman Powell got here, they said, he's the guy we're going to play him with, with Lillard and McCollum. And we're going to like commit to this group going forward because this is, and, and uh, Terry said it this week, we're going to play our best players. And like, he's right. Like Norman Powell is their best, is, is their best player at that spot. Um, so it's, I'm with it, but I wish that I wish we'd just seen it more with Gary. Like I wish we just tried it. I wish like whatever came down from on high that says Norm's the guy, no more Derek Jones. Or if Terry said, I, you know, Derek Jones just can't play on offense. We need some help. Um, 
they made the decision collectively, whether it was the front office alone or collectively from front office and the coaching staff. I wish we'd just seen more of the Lillam McCollum Trent Jr. We just didn't see it. So we don't know if it was going to work. Um, reportedly, from a story Jason Quick wrote in The Athletic, the Blazers front office really believe that group could be, that trio could work, but we never saw it. And so we won't know. Um, so it's, it. I think Norman Powell's better today, right now, um, but... Uh, but I don't. I think it's pretty easy to believe that Gary Trent Jr. will be better very soon, and that soon might be this fall. Next question comes from Ryan, who asks, I'm not sure paying Norman Powell this summer is the best move for the Blazers, considering the investment we already have in our backcourt. Could the Blazers do a sign-and-trade involving Powell with another team this summer, possibly bringing back a wing with more size and defense? I would rather pay for a well-rounded small forward with actual size. Wouldn't we all, Ryan? This is bookending the first two questions with this one here in the segment. I think this is like, this is what everyone's after, is like a good two-way wing. Um... If there were, if you could easily acquire those, the Blazers certainly would have. There's that is absolutely the piece they're missing. Um, I think we all agree. I think Ryan and Michael and Zach, um, we all the the four of us, the four of us are simpatico on this. That is what the Blazers are missing: a a a wing who can handle a little bit and defend and has real size and and fits better next to the two other guards. So I'm with you. Um, sign and trade with Norm is a little bit tricky. He would have to agree to it since he's an uh, an unrestricted free agent. I don't know why he would, he would, do, I guess he could do the Blazers a solid or whatever, but I'm not sure um, what real incentive that is for him. Cause he could just choose to go to that other team on his own. And depending on what that other team is doing, like is, are you trading for Tobias Harris? Like, are you giving normal a whole bunch of money and taking back the Tobias Harris money? Um, you'd really have to give normal a lot of money to make it all work. But I, I, I guess I could conceivably see it happen, but I'm not exactly sure what all that would look like. So um, I guess I'm 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 with I'm I like it all in theory. I agree with everyone's thoughts. Like all of us agree in theory with what the Blazers need and the direction. I'm I too um, think kind of Norman Powell is not really a three. They had him guard um, Paul George in this game to start with, uh, and it wasn't it didn't work out great for him. Paul George went nuts. So it's I mean. We're already seeing the shortcomings, but let's wait. Let, let's let's be a little bit more patient with this. I think we all like. I think we're all gonna we're gonna reach the same conclusions in twenty games as we have now. But I'm willing to say let's let's wait twenty games and then and say hey, we all kind of knew this was coming. But um, I I think here's here's where I think I landed on this. I think all of all of you kind of agree with my takes on this, but I think the Blazers are really limited in, in the kind of three and four they could bring back with the sort of ammunition they have to do so. And um, the specific name offer doesn't really do it for me. So it, it'll be, it's, it's always challenging. All right, let's come back in the third segment, answer more of your questions. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. Y'all know Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, all of which are covered in 100% chocolate. Take one of my personal favorites, cookies and cream. You grab a cookies and cream bar, here's what you're getting. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. And because that thing's packed with fiber, it's just 4 grams of net carbs. All their bars, not just cookies and cream, are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They all taste great. Cookies and cream is just an example of one that I really like. But go go try some of these bars because you'll enjoy them. And to, to sweeten that deal, 
Go ahead and use LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA games every night, NHL games every night, MLB games all day long. So it's a great time to get in on the action because they got real-time outdated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. You'll open their website and see news, real-time scores. It's just the best way to place your bet, your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to their website, betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, and you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We are still rolling through Mailbag Monday. I'll be a little late in the week, but let's get to our next question. It comes from Michael, who asks, I was wondering what the average three-point shot distance is for Damian Lord, Stephen Curry, and Trey Young, and what their average three-point make distance is. Or maybe the same stats for shots taken beyond 30 feet. It just seems to me that Dame would have the higher distance averages, takes, and makes. So, uh, Kirk Goldsberry wrote a story about this back in the day, and um, he has access to second spectrum data uh, or, and and just other tracking data that's available to uh, teams across the league and, and maybe some sort of... Uh, generous teams share that with reporters share get a little peek sneak peek to reporters sometimes but i'm not one of those people who gets a sneak peek so i don't have all of that data to sort of quickly be able to um to sort through that it would i could do this project but it would take me a long time michael and um i uh I'm I'm only one man, and this is a weekly podcast. So I'm giving you the next or a daily podcast, you know, five times a week. So I'm I'm giving you the next best thing, and that is all three of these guys: Dame, Steph, and Trey from 30, 30 feet, and then from thirty five feet. This was taken before the um, Clippers game, but Dame went one for six from deep tonight. Uh, Steph had forty one, so Steph might have upped his numbers, but this is before uh, Tuesday night games. This is the, through through Monday's games. Here's our numbers. Dame from 30 feet is 28 of 85 in the season. That's 33%, 32.9%. And he's 2 of 4 from beyond 35 feet. Steph Curry is 16 of 49. That's 32.6%. A little bit worse than Dame. Way less volume from 30 feet. And he's 1 of 12 from 35 feet. But actually, he's really just 1 of 1. He's made one 37-footer this year. And then all of his, the other 11 are all attempts, all heaves. They're under 2 seconds left. End of quarter type shots. So Steph doesn't really take 35 footers. Um, and he certainly takes fewer 30 footers. Trey, though, Trey's your Trey is, is becoming the deep ball master. 22 of 60, that's 36.6% from beyond 30 feet, and five of eight from beyond 35 feet. Trey is is really settling into being the guy who shoots deep threes. Um, you know, D- Dame is the volume is just really what sets Dame apart. 85 th- shots from 30 plus feet uh if you you know it's just he's he is stretching the defense beyond anything that anyone's ever done um 
At 538, there was a story earlier this month where they talked about the distance that the Blazers are setting screens. And that initial ball screen is almost 29 feet from the rim. So that means that, you know, Ennis Cantor and Nurkic are are coming out to 29 feet. And Dame is, you know, either curling around a screen or flattening out at a screen for like normal attempts from from 28, 29 feet. Shots that are, um, you know, the the three-point line is like 24 and a half feet from the rim. Uh, It's... uh, it is, he is just, he is bending physics. Um, he's bending the way it works. And I think even the 30 feet is a, is like a weird cutoff because back in the day, you know, a 27 footer was a really deep shot. And now that's like a totally normal thing that teams do be just to space the floor. Dame has, Dame has changed the de- geometry, but he's changed it alongside those other two guys, Steph and Trey. Um, it's just Dame's volume from that distance is, is, uh, is remarkable and and far and far and away above his peers who are also long-range gunners next question comes from ken libby who asks so mike james portland kid grant high he's got that wild floater please tell me you've seen it oh i love mike james i watched a boatload of his highlights Uh, i saw him play in person when he played for the phoenix suns here briefly in the nba um Ken asks what you think would he look good in those ghost of blazers past jerseys so it I, th- I believe that Mike James was who was later waived by the Suns. Basically, he just wasn't a point guard. He was not. He was a score guard. And in Europe, he can be a star. Like he's a tr- he's a star in Euro in the Euro League and playing in Europe. Um, and in the line between star in Europe and starter in the NBA is really thin. But it's he's not quite there. And um, he would probably, quite frankly, at this point, have to take a pay cut to come be a backup for the Blazers in the uh, in the NBA. Although I'm sure he would love playing for his hometown team, but uh, I I think the reason why he was cut by the Suns because he was just he was just not capable of being a point guard. This would be really fun. I wouldn't be against it. Um, I just don't think like it sort of raised raised the Blazers' ceiling. But in general, yeah, cool, definitely, let's do it. Um, next question comes from Adam, who asks, want to get your thoughts on Nazir's development and if he has any similarities to that of Gary Trent Jr.'s. Nas seems to be growing in confidence. With his approved shooting stroke, he's continuing to trend in a positive direction. With his athleticism and ability to get to the rim, do you think his ceiling could match that of Gary Trent Jr.'s? Uh, yeah, I think Nas has a path to be as good as a player as Gary Trent Jr. in the league. The difference is volume. Like Gary has played a bunch of minutes and proved he's good. Um, and Nas has had limited opportunity, some because the coach just doesn't play him very much, no fault of his own, and other because he just he's um, he's a young guy still learning the ropes. He's more defensive potential than production. Like he shows these moments when he's good on defense, and then he's out of position or he's a step slow. Um, he his athleticism is is you know it's there, but it isn't like this really productive athleticism. But you know he's shooting almost thirty nine percent from three this season. Like, I think he can play, and I've been pretty consistent with this, that he could be like a high, like not, not in the, I don't know, like an elite player. I don't see him as a future all-star. I don't see Gary Trent Jr. as a future all-star either, but like an elite, high, like long-term NBA contributor is kind of what, from day one, I, I said in his ear little, like, I don't see him as a star, but I do see him as a, as a high-level contributor, even an, a long-term NBA starter, potentially. And I still kind of think that with Nas. Um, he has the tools to be really good. Uh, he just, he isn't quite good enough right now to, to like me to be screaming from the rooftops that he needs to play more. But in terms of his development, he is making all the strides you want to make. And I think he's primed for a really big year three. And I hope the Blazers carve out room for him. And he isn't stuck like hoping that Carmelo Anthony, you know, 
gets a stomach bug or something and has to has to sit out so he gets real time um he he uh I don't. I don't think it's like a travesty that Nas isn't playing now, and I don't see him as like a future st- future superstar in this league. But I, th- I think he has all the tools to be really solid, and I hope he. I hope he gets a a legit chance. Final question of the show comes from Kylie, who asks. I have always been a casual viewer who just watches Blazer games for fun, but I'm interested in upgrading my knowledge and learning more about the game itself. You've described yourself multiple times as a basketball nerd. Are there any resources you would suggest for someone who wants to learn about the game and become a nerd for the details like you? Well, Kylie, I think the number one thing you can do is just watch a a ton of basketball and not just the Blazers, uh, because you watch a ton of Blazers basketball, you become a nerd for the Blazers. But like you got to just watch. And this is maybe easier said than done. I don't I don't really want to recommend you products that cost like a whole bunch of money. But um, <laughs> like, you know, get NBA League Pass and, and, and watch a whole bunch of games. Pick like two teams that you're really into. Like for me, I would pick an East Coast team um, and, and like a West Coast team, like a non-Blazers e- so like four o'clock tip, I'm like, ooh, well, I do really like watching the Raptors. I do really like watching the Nets. Who who do these two teams play? And then a West Coast team. Like, oh, I you know, I'll always watch if the if the Clippers and the Kings are on, particularly the Kings, because I like their broadcast and I like Darren Fox. It's like I will always watch a Kings game. And then you kind of you just you just start to see, you know, different ways to to slice up the pie because it, a lot of basketball teams are typically, particularly now in the NBA, they're looking for the same things. Everyone wants to get dunks. And they want to shoot three pointers, but not every. They're, no one's doing it the same way. I mean, some teams are spread pick and roll, park some guys in the corners, do things like that. Um, that is, but just watching a ton of hoops. Like I, I, I grew up in in a basketball community in in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where going to basketball games was a is ingrained part of my childhood. Watching games live and up close, and having them be like a very important part of my sort of social fabric in school and also my social circles was normal for me. And I think that in a lot of ways, for Blazer fans, that's that is normal for them too. Like if you grew up in the Portland area, basketball is is sort of part of the part of this basic culture um it's a much bigger city so it's not like Jabal hill but but uh, but i get the same vibe from from locals here in in a lot of ways or at least locals who are sports fans here um so step one just watch a ton of basketball just just watch it because you'll you'll learn more you'll you'll pick up little little trends you'll pick up little things um the other thing i would i would recommend if you sort of like really want to become a basketball nerd is over at cleaning the glass it's the website run by ben falk who used to work for the trailblazers and the philadelphia 76ers and now runs um, an invaluable statistics website called cleaningtheglass.com they have a i believe it's a hundred bucks um but don't quote me on that check it out for yourself it's an x's and o's like from the ground up it's from like it's basically like a beginner course from absolute beginner basic like what is what is a back screen what is this and what you know what is a pick and roll to the to how to watch film at like an nba level it's uh learn-basketball.com is where you can find it but if you just go to cleaningtheglass.com you'll have it there and that's i that would be my sort of number one resource for how to how to learn more about the game if you want to like learn x's and o's details i would also check out guys like nikias duncan and steve jones jr on twitter who who have great um great sort of basketball breakdown X's and O's stuff. You read a lot about basketball. You watch a lot of basketball. You'll be stunned how much you can learn in such a short period of time. Those are my resources. I, Kylie, this, this is probably one of the most heartwarming questions I've got because I am a, a, a true to my, 
true to my bones, basketball nerd. So to hear someone that listens to my podcast and says, I want to be nerdy like that, or I, I, I aspire to sort of that level of nerddom. It truly, truly warms my heart. So thank you so much for, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing, sharing your passion and thanks for wanting to expand it. Um, if I'm any small part of your sort of basketball knowledge expansion, I thank you. Thank you greatly for allowing me to, uh, to allow me to be involved. That's going to do it for this edition of Mailbag Monday. Remember, Monday, Mailbag Monday is a state of mind, not, not a day of the week, as it turns out. Uh, if you want to get involved in a future one, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or email the show, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. Be there waiting for you. I asked earlier this week, uh, and I'll do it one more time, and then I'll leave you alone for like a month. If you if you like the show, hit hit up uh, Apple Podcasts and give me a five star review. Give me a, a you know five star rating and review the show. It helps other people find the show. Um, it, it just helps it helps the show become more visible. I want this to be the best Blazer podcast that there is, and that starts with it getting to more people's ears because then more people email me, more people tweet at me, and and I can make this show what listeners want. Um, that's, you know, if, if, if you have it in your heart, I would really appreciate it. Otherwise, I'll be here tomorrow and we'll still be chatting. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.